everybody. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, who's all the way back from Florida in Jacksonville. Dale, glad you made it back to Pittsburgh safe and sound, man. How were your travels? Yeah, they were okay. It's never fun going to Jacksonville. You can't get there directly, so it is what it is. It is what it is, but I was I was seeing your tweets during the game. You were saying it was like 75% Steelers fans there. I know it's tougher to gauge with everyone spread out, but that sounds crazy. No, it was definitely uh, the majority of the people there were Steelers fans. Not a doubt about it. Wow, crazy stuff. Well, even crazier stuff happened. Uh, while all, all that was going going down on Monday and Steelers were Steelers fans were happy and walking into work happy or hopping on their work Zooms happy, it was chaos in Baltimore. They had they had a report that came out early in the day where um, uh, where the Ravens had multiple players. We found out that the, the multiple players were two players, and both of them were Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, their top two running backs, uh, and J.K. Dobbins, who was becoming featured more and more in the Ravens' offense. Uh, they tested positive for COVID-19, and as a close contact so far, all they've listed is nose tackle Brandon Williams, um dale uh this is a rough sign for the ravens after they're on a two, they're on a two-game losing streak right now lost three of their last four when you heard this news what was your thoughts about how this is going to impact them on a short week well i mean obviously they're not going to have their 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 two of their running backs I'm not that it necessarily matters because you know they'll they'll lean on gus edwards um you know they've done that in the past and and he's been a big part of their running game regardless uh of who's been available they've used a uh, three-headed monster um, essentially out of the backfield, but uh, largely their their leading rusher through, over the course of the season has been Lamar Jackson, both in rushing attempts and in yardage. So, um, yeah, it, it limits what they can do offensively, but it doesn't kill them by any means. No, it doesn't kill them. Um, you know, they – and, and another thing is that they really haven't really found anything consistent out of their backfield. You know, Mark Ingram last year – was sort of the power option next to Lamar Jackson. He really hasn't had a chance to be that this year. He's been hurt, um, and, and teams have been going into games committing to taking away that part of the, the Ravens' ground game and saying, you're going to have to beat us with all these different ways. Um, and then they've, they've brought in J.K. Dobbins, but again, he's a rookie. They're still figuring out how to use him. And uh, there's a there's a little bit of frustration going on in Baltimore uh, before the game. You saw John Harbaugh going at it with Malcolm Butler and some of the Titans midfield. Then after the game, you saw Mike Vrabel try to walk up to Harbaugh and shake his hand and Harbaugh waved him off. Um, you know, yeah, that actually that was that was overblown. They actually did shake hands. After oh, OK. The game. That was that was uh, Vrabel going over to say something else to Harbaugh and Harbaugh. You know, Vrabel apparently was asking Harbaugh what happened before the game. Okay. And Harbaugh was waving him off. And they did shake hands, so that's been a little overblown. Okay, well, that's good to know because that certainly looked like uh, some serious stuff there. Um, but Not that there's uh, any love lost between those two teams. Oh, there's because not. Because remember, the, the Titans knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs last year. So that was a big game for Baltimore. They they had a lot uh, – they were not certainly not overlooking the uh, – overlooking the Titans or anything of that nature. They, they certainly wanted that game, and, well, they didn't get it. Yeah, and now that that puts two losses together. They've dropped to six and four on the season, Dale, and they're in a rough spot because now they got a short week to go on the road against the Steelers on a Steelers team on a ten game win streak, 
And uh, they've already lost once to the Steelers. If they lose this game, they're locked out of the AFC North. There's no chance for them to win it because the Steelers will be five games up on them. And with five games to go, uh, you know, they'd, they'd also have the tiebreaker. So uh, this this is kind of a do or die situation. Even if they don't want to win the division, they'll fall most likely fall two games down to the Browns who play the Jaguars this week. Yeah, actually, I mean, when you look at it, the, the Ravens would essentially probably have to win out uh, if they lose this game to have a shot to get into the playoffs. If you look at the rest of their schedule, uh, they host the Cowboys. Uh, then they have to go to Cleveland, which you know could be essentially an elimination game for one of those two teams. Uh, then they host the Jaguars. They have the Giants at home, and that's not as easy a game as you would think. Uh, the Giants are playing a little bit better here. And then they finish up against the, the Bengals, and, well, the Bengals are going to be – just awful the rest of the way uh with ryan finley at quarterback yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be rough pickings for for those guys um and meanwhile the browns on the on the other hand they gotta they, they get the jaguars in jacksonville this weekend but after that they got some interesting fights coming up because they got to go on the road to play the titans then they got to play the ravens who beat them up in, in in week one then they get to play those giants on the road that you're saying are, are getting better then they do get the the jets who they're the jets um, but then they got to finish against the Steelers. And if, if things stay on the pace they are now and the Steelers are competing for the, the one seed and the, the Chiefs are nipping at their heels, that might be a game where the Steelers are like, no, we we still need to come out and play our starters. I mean, this this could be this this might not be the easiest stretch for the Browns to finish the season. It, it might not, but I, I truly believe that uh, you know, Kansas City's going to going to lose at least one more game. Um, the Kansas City still has to go to New Orleans. Kansas City has to go to Tampa. They're going to lose one of those two games uh, to get uh, to two losses. It would be very, very uh, a strange season to see two teams in the same conference finish with one loss or fewer. That just never happens. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the Chiefs uh, are, are definitely probably lose another game. To, to have two teams with two or fewer losses in a conference is rare. Uh, to have to have two teams with one or fewer losses would be even more rare. So, you know, I, I just think if the Steelers and I wrote about it in my in my 10 thoughts today, if the Steelers get to that week uh, 17 game, even if they're 15 and 0, if they've got things locked up and they can't get knocked out of that uh, top seed, I expect them to rest some guys, uh, most notably probably Ben Roethlisberger, just to allow his 38 uh, year old body to get a little more rest going into the playoffs. I'm not concerned about, you know, I know people, well, what about rust and having guys off? Uh, you know, Roethlisberger played last week or two weeks ago without yep. practicing all week. Yep. Uh, you know, there, there are some guys out there that, uh, you know, I could see them resting Pouncey in that game or, you know, maybe uh, Cam Hayward and some guys like that. Some of the older guys who are dealing with some stuff, maybe a Juju Smith-Schuster who's, you know, been dealing with a knee issue, a nagging knee issue all season long. So, you know, the goal is Ro Ben Roethlisberger said is not to go 16 and 0. The goal is to win the Super Bowl. And if they feel like resting guys in that last game of the season gives them a better chance to win the Super Bowl, uh, that's what they'll do. But they got to win this week first. They certainly do, but they seem to understand that the, the message is not just Ben anymore. You know, I, I was on the Zooms this, you know, all Monday, and you know, Tuit said the same thing. Ebron said the same thing. Even Claypool yeah. said the well, same that, thing. That tells you exactly. I mean, those guys parrot exactly what Mike Tomlin's saying. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can often uh, you get the coach's message to the players based on what the players are telling you. Uh, <laughs> you know, you always know exactly what he is telling them because that's that's what they repeat. Do you think that that's something that they 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 have accepted to believe or you think that that's just because coach is saying that I'm going to say that. But, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, we're, we're about to we might be 16 and 0. 
No, I think they buy into his message. Um, you know, I, I think that, that you know the, the standard is the standard, and all the other stuff that he says. Uh, you know, he repeats that stuff so often because he gets them to believe it. You know, when you have success uh, doing things a certain way, you tend to believe, you know, how that works. And and so I, I do think they buy into it. With that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got to talk about some of the things the Steelers are doing just on the field. We've been talking about the intangibles and what they feel and what happened with COVID. We're going to talk about some actual football right after this. Here on the DK Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, the Steelers in this game, I, I, I broke it down a little bit on yesterday's show, or a lot of it, but they really, you know, the, the offense didn't click on all cylinders right away, but they did enough to pull ahead and get the lead that they needed. But the defense, the defense continues to play at a high level. They only allow three points. And uh, both the safeties each got two interceptions. Um, really looked like 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 everything was really coming together for this team. Preying on the young quarterback, the way that Steelers fans were freaking out when it you know the way Garrett, Garrett Gilbert didn't look panicked certainly looked like they got to Jake Luton a lot. Yeah, and well, Jake Luton stinks. Yeah, uh, that that's that was my takeaway from that game. Uh, you know, he should not be playing uh, in, in the NFL right now. That that's just I, I kept waiting for the Jaguars to put Mike Lennon in the game. Not that he's any good either, but you know, at some point you just, you just wondered if that was going to happen and, mm-hmm. and it just didn't. Uh, they left him out there uh, basically, you know, in the wind. Uh, it's just uh, four interceptions. Uh, he, yeah. You know, at the, at the time of his fourth interception, I believe he was 11 for 31 throwing the football or 11 mm-hmm. for 33 or something like that. Just not a good outing. He was overthrowing guys. He was off. Um, you know, you could tell, even though the Steelers only had, uh, two sacks in the game, the pressure was affecting him mm-hmm. and, you know, it just wasn't good. Speaking of that, with the Steelers only getting two sacks, I thought it was a testament to how you saw they were ready to take away the, uh, the short passing game. They were jumping all over the uh they were jumping all over the you know the the ability to throw to, to throw the ball short you saw them jumping up to pat to knock the ball away tyson alulu got the first tip that, that that went to minka fitzpatrick uh you know was that you think that was part of their strategy to take away take away the short pass the game or just something that they kind of just like ah this, this is how we're going to play this situation well I, you know i think that they figured that the jaguars were going to get the ball out of Lute, luton's hand quickly uh which obviously that's the uh, idea for a lot of teams against them and so you you know you want to uh, get your hands up in those situations if you're not going to get there, and that's what they did. It certainly was what they did. Um, but still, Stephon Tuitt gets a sack that gets gets him to seven on the season. Bud Dupree gets a sack that gets him to eight on the season. Um, so now they've got a guy with seven, a guy with eight, and then they got Watt with nine. 
Um, the Steelers team still, even when they don't get a huge sack numbers in a game, it's still showing that they can they can do the doggone thing. Um, and now four turnovers in a game. Uh, I think they have, that gives them 21 on the season. 22 uh, actually. 22. I mean, again, that's just it's insane right now what they're what they're putting together. Um, you know, Dale, before the season started, a lot there was a lot of talk about how oh well they can't replicate these numbers. There, they, there's no way they could get to 30 turnovers again. Uh, Dale, they're on pace to right now. Yeah, uh, and, and they've done it pretty consistently, and you know they're they're getting the sack numbers, and I, that's why I thought that they had a chance to kind of replicate last year's uh, turnover numbers because I you know I said that they would get 65 sacks this year, and some people looked at me like I had three heads uh, <laughs> because that would just blow away the uh, the team record. But you know they're right on schedule to, to get right around that number, certainly uh, get above 60. So you know if you're going to create that kind of pressure, you're going to create. Those many turnovers, and they've done this uh, without T.J. Watt, who led the league with eight forced uh, fumbles last year, having a single forced fumble this year. Yeah, those are coming at some point. He's going to get some fumbles, so uh, you know they they they've been doing a nice job of uh, forcing the turnovers and getting it from other people. And that's with down the line. They still get to face Lamar Jackson this week, who they got, what, four turnovers on the last time. Alex Smith the week after that. Then they get Josh Allen, Ryan Finley, Phillip Rivers, and Baker Mayfield throughout the rest of the season. I certainly think that there's a lot of quarterbacks that they could victimize in this situation. Um, Dale, I, I just, again, I, I look at what the defense is doing. I, when you look at the snap count, Cameron Sutton got uh, significantly more snaps then Mike Hilton in this game, uh, you saw them being willing to throw uh, 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 Justin Lane out there on the outside again when Joe when Joe Hayden was hurt. Uh, they, they really seem to trust their depth, especially in the secondary, to come out and be efficient. And Justin Lane, once again, limited sample size, but he hasn't been exposed yet. Yeah, and Sutton played more than Hayden because Sutton replaced or Hilton, I should say, because Sutton replaced Hayden mm -hmm. when Hayden was out. That's why he ended up playing more. In the first half, uh, Hilton played in the nickel, and Sutton only came in in the dime. In the second half, it was Sutton in the nickel, and then Sutton stayed on the field uh, full-time after Hayden went out. So that's something that you know they, I, I think they wanted to uh, limit Mike Hilton's snap count a little bit to allow him to get his legs under him. Um, you'll probably see him play more of a complete game uh, this week against the Ravens because they'll need his run-stopping ability. Yeah, they're absolutely going to need it. And that's what they were missing last time. And, and, and we're not meaning to jump ahead because we will preview Steelers versus Ravens later this week. Uh, well, tomorrow, because the game's on <laughs> the game's on Thursday. But, uh, Dale, I, I think it's a, a huge point of emphasis with Mike Hilton being back and Tyson Alulu being back that th those were two guys they didn't have for that Ravens game. And I, I have to think it's going to set a tone with, differently for the team at least. Yeah, it certainly helps. I mean, you'd like to have, uh, you know, Devin Bush out there as well, but you're not going to get him back. And, you know, Alualu got hurt six snaps into that game against the Ravens, so they really didn't have him for most of that game. Um, you know, Baltimore is going to be a task for them. There's no doubt about it. But as you mentioned, they've they've uh, had Lamar's number a little bit in terms of forcing turnovers and getting to him, uh, putting pressure on him. So, you know, they need to continue to do that and limit his throws down the field. He's still not clicking uh, with Hollywood Brown at all. Uh, did not have a single catch in, in the game against the Titans on Sunday. Uh, it, it's really a, a one-man passing game right now with Mark Andrews and nothing else. Um, and, uh, that's the th and that's the thing is that with um, 
with you know with with Mark Andrews, the Steelers have shown they're more than adept at at, at taking away tight ends and covering them down the middle of the field, and and to, and also taking away your top option. This Steelers defense. You know, Dale, they disguise one thing, then they show another. Um, and they're not just doing that just to do it. You know, back in, I'd say, the Sean Davis and Mike Mitchell days, so many times, Dale, I'd see that adjustment. And then, you know, but they might not jump on what the other team is doing. Like, they might jump into the right zone, but there's a guy in their zone that they're not necessarily blanketing. And they're doing that right now. They're building up. The, you know, you know every, they're building up, you know, solid play after solid play saying, hey, quarterback, if you're going to pick pick on us, you're going to have to play great all throughout the game and and and, and fit, not only figure out our disguises, but then you know, fit, fit the ball through these tight passing windows. And we saw Terrell Edmonds finally take advantage of that for two interceptions this last game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was uh, something that, you know, when you consider he had one career interception going into that game, yep. uh, that was something that was, I guess, long overdue. And that's really kind of the it was the last missing piece in his game, because I think he's been pretty solid, um, you know, to get uh, a couple of interceptions, including, the, the you know, the one that he tipped to himself. The second one, the first one was a gift. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Just, you know, it was just a straight overthrow. Um, but on the, that, that second one, you know, he goes up uh, high in the air and, and tips the ball to himself. I've seen him do that a dozen times over the last three years in practice. I mean, he's, he is an amazing athlete and, you know, he has the ability to make plays like that. It, it just it hadn't happened in a game yet. So I'm sure that helped his confidence a great deal. It, it absolutely should have. I, I feel like it was a bit of vindicate, vindication, vindication, um, for, uh, uh, for Terrell Evans, because when you when you, you've heard criticism for of him over the years, just oh he doesn't know how to make the big play, he can't make the big play, he was a complete bust of a first round draft pick, and you and I have talked about what he's been doing off off the stat sheet. You know he's he's applying himself really well to running backs, slot receivers, tight ends, anyone that they assign him to, he covers. Mike Tomlin talked about that Monday in his press conference, um, and you know and how he helps against the run. Uh, I just think that now that now that fans they finally see him get the two interceptions now they're like oh maybe he's not that bad after all. Yeah, they'll have to find somebody else to blame for uh, every time you know something happens bad, uh, other than you know the coordinators. Of course. Well, I'll get some more into that into the "Don't Get Me Started" segment uh, right after this. But Dale, thanks as always for coming on the show. Um, appreciate you. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We're gonna throw it to one more quick break here. We come back. It's "Don't Get Me Started" right after this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started with all you folks that was getting on me when I was trying to defend Terrell Edmonds. It's... Don't get me started. The rant segment of the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter. So I got the first year questions of Terrell Edmonds. I mean, I was also kind of like, you know, it's a rookie. Give a break. Troy, Troy Polamalu didn't play well as a rookie. You know, you know, give him time. I was I was saying he's not Troy Polamalu, but just give him time to grow in the system. And, 
you know, then last year, Terrell Edmonds, you know, had an okay year. He didn't have the splash. He didn't have an interception. Um, and uh, a lot of people were saying, oh, man, he's a bust. It's over. It's done. It, it was a wasted draft pick. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And I'm like, okay, calm down. Because a lot of times that people come after Terrell Edmonds, they would say so by saying, well, look at his numbers. And then they would pull up a random highlight where he would, where, where a guy would make a great catch over him, like DK Metcalf from Russell Wilson. Um, and, and I continue to be like, though, that's not a bad play. And they're like, well, how is it? About, how is it not a bad play? He, he got scored on. Duh. That means it's a bad play and he stinks. And I'm sitting here saying that's, that's not what that means. Just because a play doesn't go your way doesn't mean it's a bad pl- it's a bad play by your part. Doesn't mean that you stunk. You might have gotten beaten. You might have gotten outplayed. But there's so many other things to take into account. And what I saw from Terrell Edmonds, what I kept telling people I was seeing from Terrell Edmonds, was that consistently he was in the right position at the right time, doing the right things. And sometimes he would get beat while doing that. But that eventually it would come around. And now that he got two interceptions against the Jaguars this weekend, people are like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Yeah, duh. No, this is what we've been saying for a while. This is why I wrote a whole piece in Carter's Classroom on DKPittsburghSports.com last Wednesday where I talked about how the safeties were highly improved and what they were doing chemistry-wise for the defense and disguising things and how consistent they were in their job. And then lo and behold, both the safeties get two interceptions each on Sunday against the Jaguars. And I'm just like, do you guys not think that I actually watch film? When I say things, I I, I hope people understand I'm not just making things up here. I'm not just... You know, just just shouting into the wind. I watch the tape. I watch the initial tape of the broadcast. I watch the all twenty-two when that comes out. I compare it notes with that I've that I've made my, with myself on certain players to see where they're progressing or where they're regressing or where they're standing still or where they need to improve. All those things. And Terrell Edmonds has been doing the things. If it was alarming, I would have said, okay, this part is really bad for Edmonds. The only thing that you could say was bad for Edmonds, in my opinion, was the fact that he wasn't finishing plays with interceptions. But he was constantly in place and putting himself in the right spot to challenge quarterbacks, to make it harder for them to target passes around him. And now, in this past game, you saw two instances where he was thrown at and he came up with the interception. It's the same thing when I tell you guys that the difference between winning and losing is razor thin. You can do everything right. You can show up to every practice early. You can lift your weights. You can sprint. You can eat right. You can study film. You can know what the other team's doing. And you could do all that. And because this is the NFL, because both teams are so great, all, all the players are just at an elite level of athleticism. With all that into consideration, you could still do everything right in a week and still get beat on a play. Especially when you're defending the pass. And that's certainly been the case for Terrell Edmonds. A lot of times, again, people didn't want to hear it. But it's just a fact. And now only because um, only because we're seeing this now with um, 
uh, with with the interceptions. Now people want to you know hop back and say, oh, okay, now I'm on board. I'm not saying not to be on board now. I'm not trying to be the guy like the hipster, like, hey, I was here first. Get off my island. I am trying to remind you that this is why you should be patient when you see things on game day and you're thinking, oh, man, this guy stinks, that guy stinks, this happened, that happened, da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just like, no, slow down. That might look like it right now, but let's take some time. Let's recap. Let's study things. It's like when people were coming after Minka at the beginning of the season. Why isn't he getting more interceptions? And now he's got four. And I was saying back then, be patient. You know, let, let's see how this plays out. Let's see what's playing into it. And then when I saw a lot of teams were avoiding Minka Fitzpatrick, they're still avoiding Minka Fitzpatrick. And now we see how that's played out. Again, I just call for patience. It's the same thing I was saying for years, even before I was full time at DK when I was covering the Steelers and Bud Dupree was a youngster, youngster, and, and everyone was saying, "Oh, he's a bust. He's not doing enough." I'm like, "Well, give him a little bit because I think he's working on some things here." And then, lo and behold, the past two years he's been an elite edge rusher, and I'm not being facetious. I'm not being light about that. I mean, he's being elite. He's getting it done. He's forcing you to have to... I mean, he has eight sacks. He's one sack behind T.J. Watt. One. Eight sacks in ten games. That's pretty doggone good, y'all. And... I really think that with... You see how he grew. How Edmonds has grown. Especially when it's a player picked by Kevin Colbert. And especially when it's being developed on a team by Mike Tomlin. You give that player time. And sometimes it don't come around. I, I urged caution on Jarvis Jones because I was like, hey, just be patient. Let's see if he develops. And then you saw over time he didn't. And then it was time to say, okay, this guy stinks. But just because you say, hey, I'm not sure yet in year one and two and say, I think that he might be still be able to develop. Let's, let's see what happens. It doesn't mean that you were wrong about the player. It just means, hey, I'm just not going to just dive in and just just you know, try to plant a flag and say, "This is mine. I got this. I got this take." This is no. This is what good scouts do. This is what good analysts do. They take their time. They pick piece things apart. And you can give initial responses, but don't make sweeping allegations. Don't make generalist statements. And that's what I think a lot of people have done with Terrell Edmonds, with Bud Dupree, with so many different players. And it's not. It's not just Steelers fans. Every fan base does it. You know, you know, and not even fan base. It's just national media, local media. It's just it's how it happens when when the team when your team you're on is losing, and you're seen with a guy shooting the ball over your head, you're gonna be blamed. Even when maybe that wasn't your guy that you were supposed to be covering and you were helping because someone else blew their assignment, you're gonna take heat. So there's so many factors here. I just want to remind people and. Eventually, the Steelers are going to lose this season, next season, whenever. And people are going to start pointing fingers and saying, Ah, what about this? This guy said that. And I'm telling you right now, be patient. Because now we're seeing with that patience, if the Steelers acted like like, like everybody wanted to act, oh, Terrell Evans, we'd have benched him. And then you wouldn't get what he's putting putting together now. Have faith in what this organization does. It's a big reason why they've only had three head coaches over the past 50 years, 50 years, 51 years. 
three coaches, all of them Super Bowl champions. But y'all got me started. And this has been Don't Get Me Started here on the DK Steelers podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to the uh, to the uh, the DK Podcast Network. We really appreciate having you with us. Also, subscribe to DKPittsburghSports.com. We're $3.99 a month, $39.99, or $4.99 a month, excuse me, $4.99 a month, uh, $39.99 a year. Um, you can subscribe to us on DKPittsburghSports.com. You catch all our Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, Pitt, Penn State, Duquesne coverage right there. I cover Pitt full-time. I back up Dale on this on, on the Steelers podcast. You heard him earlier on it. Um, we got a lot of great stuff for you coming this week. It's a short week with Thanksgiving coming up. We'll be talking at you more later this week. Later this week.